Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best value registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. You know what? There's a lot of risk here with our kids. So it is time to be serious. It is time to be like, okay, if this is not working in my home, like I've got to do something. I can't just let this keep going like this. And then of course, the word of hope there is when change happens, Wow, like your life could can you imagine if you got this under control and you got your child back and you'd be like, This is so much better. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about the messy, less than perfect, but real stuff of life. My name's Jill Savage, and I'll be your host. I'm so glad you're here. Well, hello, friends. So these days, kids are spending a lot more time with screens and less time playing outside and reading books and often interacting with the family. We're going to be talking today about technology. I mean, it has its benefits, but it also has its harms. So what is the effect of all of this screen time? And is it actually bringing families together or is it driving us further apart? Or in what ways can we use it to bring us together? And what ways do we need to be careful about it separating us? And I'll tell you, whether you are a parent or a grandparent, I think you're gonna really appreciate today's conversation. My guest is Arlene Pelicane, and Arlene partnered with Dr. Gary Chapman to write the book Screen Kids and an accompanying book, which I really appreciate, Grandparenting Screen Kids. So welcome to the No More Perfect podcast, Arlene. It is so good to be with you, Jill. Thanks so much for having me. Oh my goodness. So fun to see you and have the opportunity. Uh, you and I actually got to do this in person a year ago. Isn't that exciting? We had coffee the together. World. We yes. did. <laughs> yes, we now, did. Uh, before the world got shut down. That's right. I was in California, which is where Arlene lives. And so we had an opportunity to connect. But tell tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, your family, all of that. Yeah, I live in San Diego, California, where it's very sunny, but school is still closed. <laughs> so my kids, <laughs> now my kids go to public school. So that's why it's closed. But I know I have friends who are in private school and they're going to school, you know, so it's all different. But in our situation, we are still at home. I have two high schoolers. Ethan is a junior now already. And Noelle is a freshman. So she had her first year of high school in, in our house. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know what, for the big kids, the high schoolers, they 
have kind of found a good rhythm of we're meeting friends at the park on the weekend. Youth group has been open for quite some time, twice a month. So there's been these rhythms with people that have really kept them sane and happy. And my, my son, Ethan, has a piano business where he teaches lessons to kids and a few adults. So he's been booming because all of a sudden he has time because he doesn't uh-huh. have a commute. So he's kind of like... This hasn't been so bad. So, so for the two kids, they've, they've not minded. My daughter would have had to start off on her bicycle at 630 in the morning to head for school, but now she just has to get up and turn on the computer at nine. So there, oh, there have been a few great. perks, believe it or not. Right. And then I have a, a daughter, Lucy, and she's in sixth grade. And I think she's doing fine, but she's, I think of everyone would say, Oh, I wish I would go back to school because then, you know, it's sixth grade and it's mm-hmm. K through six. And she's been at that same school this whole time so she would have really you know she's I think who missed the most uh, she was mm-hmm. an ensemble she was going to play Mufasa in the Lion King Aww. like it's going to be all very exciting but it's very possible that they will go back part-time uh, in April so we're kind of hoping for that oh, yeah and my, hus- my husband James is a realtor we've been married for 22 years and we have a golden doodle dog that keeps us going outside and walking which has been nice <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, you know, I mean, you're just talking there about, uh, you know, your kids are doing their their school from home. And, and we've certainly, I mean, honestly, I've been grateful for screens over the last year yeah. because it has been what has connected us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we have been super isolated by all the quarantining and all of that. So it has kept us connected. And yet at the same time, we want to have a balance. And I know I see my grandkids are increasing, you know, their use of screens. Um, they're interacting with their friends, their cousins through screens. Yeah. And so just trying to figure out what is the balance in that. So I think this message is so important that I know you're passionate about, Dr. Gary Chapman is passionate about. So in general, I'm curious, how do you think that this growth in the use of technology, especially due to the pandemic, is affecting yeah. kids. I think, Jill, even with the good that's involved, that it's going to be hugely problematic for the average child. Because before the pandemic, you know, we we're already having these conversations of, hey, could you please get off your video games? Hey, put down your iPad and look at me. Hey, you know, you're supposed to be doing school, not being on social media. Like all those conversations were happening right? really before the pandemic. You know, May 2019 compared to May 2020, statistically, they said that screen time was up 50% with kids. And so I think the risk is what started as a temporary fix can become like this permanent way of life. And I think that is the most dangerous thing about the pandemic that, oh, this is normal now that we don't go outside and play, but that we just sit and play on our computers, that we just play video games with our friends and we sit here. That's normal. We don't meet in the park anymore. We don't go play soccer. We don't go hang out. You know, we just stay home. And I think that's the thing, because obviously being face to face with someone is a lot more rewarding and enriching emotionally, you know, rich than just texting them. Because even kids Mm -hmm. aren't really even talking voice to voice. They're usually texting. And so there's so much they're missing in terms of just getting their um, um, being emotionally loved. 
And then obviously yes. the physical exercise of it, that kids need exercise. So, you know, they're doing this study of 10,000 kids over 10 years. And this was started before the pandemic. So this will mm -hmm. be very interesting. National Institutes of Health are doing it. And they found already three markers of healthier kids. And they're really simple. So think of this like in the screen world. So three markers would be nine to 11 hours of sleep for kids. Mm -hmm. So you think, okay, we can, but think of it. What's, what are kids doing now? Some kids have gotten phones earlier. Some right. kids, you know, teenagers have their phones with them in their rooms because it's their way to connect. So just like when we were, had the newborn baby and, you know, one o'clock in the morning, ah, three o'clock in the morning, ah, five o'clock in the morning, ah, I mean, no one's sleeping that way. Right. And so I think kids having screens in their room, that's going to interrupt their sleep. So that was the first thing, nine to 11 hours of sleep, one hour a day of exercise. Okay. And a lot of times we're like, don't, you know, don't do anything. Just stay home. Just be safe. And it's like, oh, we're missing that. That's the sports organized or not organized. You know, a lot of people, kids are missing that. And then they say two hours or less of amusing screen time, what I like to call digital candy. So this is not online school. Don't worry. None of your kids are waking up at three o'clock in the morning to do their algebra. <laughs> you know, nobody, <laughs> nobody is sneaking around so they can just watch that sermon one more time. You know, so you never have to worry like, oh my goodness, is my child up like trying to learn the guitar at 2 a.m. in the morning? It's probably not what your kid is doing. So right. two hours or less of amusing screen time a day. And I think through the pandemic, those numbers have been just shattered that, okay, maybe your kid's getting six to eight hours of amusing screen time because it keeps them out of trouble and it keeps them quote unquote happy and they're not exercising and they're not getting enough sleep. So I think the norm of, oh, it's okay for us not to talk to each other and socialize because we've gotten so used to like just do, 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 go do your thing and do, 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 get back in your car, do, 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 go back home, you know, that we're used to that. And for kids, yeah. they need to be meeting people and playing together and having more risk. I think that's the thing is we made safety so primary mm. that there are risks in life that are worthwhile taking. You know, my daughter, one of the things of the pandemic for my sixth grader is through God's grace, we met someone, we, see, we sought it out, but we got connected with someone at church who rides horses and has horses. And mm -hmm. so my daughter's been going to a ranch once a week to help for like, you know, two hours and then ride. So it's been like super healthy for her. But just yes. this past week, Jill, she got on the horse and there were these geese that went, and then it kind of spooked the horse. Oh. And so the horse was, started to buck and that's never happened before, right? So we've right. been there almost a year and that never happened before. And I was like really scared for five seconds, right? And just right. buck, 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 and back in control. Everyone's hearts racing. And it really, to me, was this picture of in life, there are things you face that are really scary. You know, in that moment, mm -hmm. she's really scared. Yes. But then the horse trainer was like, okay, Barbie's the name of the horse. It'll never be worse than that. That is the worst that Barbie will ever act. Mm -hmm. And once Lucy knew that, she was like, okay, I can handle that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in the pandemic, we haven't allowed kids to have an experience like that where they get kind of bucked off. Like we're so like, oh, just stay home and be safe and we don't want anything to happen to you. But it's in the living that you learn like, oh, I can do that. You know, mm -hmm. I can overcome that. And that's just right. like the everyday stuff of being with people, of being with friends, of having to manage conflict, of feeling loved, of having to do your homework, of having a consequence if you don't do a homework. You know, here in, I know many schools because of the pandemic, they're saying, okay, don't worry if you didn't get a good grade, we'll just put like a no grade. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, instead of getting right. a failing grade, they're just getting a, 
you know what, this was a hard year and you're just not going to take a grade in this class. You know, things like that, that right. for kids, they've got to learn how to get back on that horse and like live. Yes. And I think that's because, a hard thing of the pandemic. Yes. it's So they're losing the ability to build resilience. Yes. It's really what they're losing. Because let's be, let's be honest, like when they're sitting at home watching YouTube and Netflix and social media and video mm -hmm. gaming, that's not really that hard. Like that's, you just kind of mm -hmm. sit there and do it. And right. that's what, right. yeah. Wow. And really, I mean, off a lot of this has really bred a lot of fear too. Yeah. Fear and anxiety. Yes. As you're saying, um, that it's it's really breeding that in our kids. And that is a place where we as parents, I think, and grandparents where we need to recognize they may not be saying it, yeah. but deep inside there have been some unintentional messages. Yes. That have been communicated. Yeah. And that's really what you're talking about. And I would say for you, if you have older kids that have social media and they're on it a lot, just just be ca very careful for so many reasons, <laughs> for so many reasons, whether it's body image for girls, whether it's feeling like I need these followers instead of true friendship, whether, you know, all these things, one in five will be sexually solicited online. I mean, there's a lot of problems with it, but I've just noticed my kids are older too in high school, et cetera, but we don't have social media. We've always talked about that, that that's something we just think that when they're older will be more beneficial for them. So the high schoolers do not have social media, but I'll compare that to their friends friends who do have social media uh -huh. and many of them are really afraid about the pandemic because they're just constantly looking at this news and they're literally mm -hmm. some afraid to get out of the car like yes. they will sit in the car like you know mom they'll tell their parents don't go out like something might happen to you not realizing that you know what you're just being fed a lot of fear so so that i think is something we have to be careful of of what is discipling the heart of my child and if mm -hmm. what kind of screen influences are they getting and it might seem very slight but when it's over and over and over again it's going to it's gonna and i think that's why we see one out of two kids age 18 to 24 are reporting that anxiety and depression and i think a lot of it is because of the time spent online mm -hmm. well and you know i want to go back to something that you said you know we're saying that kids aren't even having conversations like they're everything's done through text yeah and you know what mark and i do i mean uh really uh as as marriage coaches we spend a lot of time with couples dealing with communication issues yeah and i can't even imagine being a marriage coach in 20 years and 30 yeah. years when you now have this generation especially if we don't get a handle on this. And if we as parents don't lead our kids well through it, then really they are set up to not be successful in, in marriage and in long-term relationships because they don't have those communication skills. So we really, we want to be aware of the need to diversify the way that they interact with people, that it is in person and that it is um, not just online because the, the draw will be to just primarily be online. Yeah, it's so true. And in Screen Kids, there are five A-plus skills for kids to know in this tech-driven world, and one of them is apology. So being able to apologize in real life, because when they're sitting there as a married couple 20 years from now, and mm -hmm. the, what really needs to be done is, I'm sorry, please forgive me, 
I'll try not to do that again. Instead, you know, they get this text that's like, sorry, you know, and that's not going to do it. It's not going to do it. So it's teaching kids that, hey, when you do something, you accept responsibility, you say you're sorry, you don't just ignore someone's texts, or you don't just unfriend them on social media, or stop playing video games with them. Like you have to, if there's an apology that needs to be made or sought, then you got to get in there and and try to work that out. So you're right from from very casual relationships to teaching your kids when you go out, if you're at a grocery store, like go ahead and look at the person who's ringing up your groceries and for extra points, you know, my kids are learning Spanish in school. So whenever we went somewhere and you could tell someone was a Spanish speaker, we were always like, you have to speak to them in Spanish, like you have to practice, (laughs) you know? So have your kids engage with perfect strangers in these service environments, like tell your server, thank you, this must be such a hard year for the pandemic and thank you so much for serving me. And you know what? You could teach a five-year-old, a seven-year-old to say that, thank you for serving me today. And that teaches them common courtesy. It, It helps them to practice so they're not freaked out when they have to look at someone in the eye. So really from the stranger that you're just meeting, teaching your kids common courtesy and manners, and that trickles down to then the people you live with. You know, obviously Uh you need to have the same common courtesy with the people you live with, even your siblings and your parents. But that's the whole idea of the pivot, that when someone comes in the room in your home, even in COVID, when you're all stuck together, you know, like whatever the situation is, when, you know, someone walks in the room, you pivot away from your device and you say, hey, and you give them the common courtesy of looking at them. And maybe if you haven't seen them all day, then it's going to be more of a, hey, how was your day? You know, Uh if you've all been hanging out at home, then sure, you just look up, hey, you need anything? You know, but Mm -hmm. it's the common courtesy of, hey, we're going to give each other eye contact. So really follow your eyes. And that's Mm -hmm. a tough one. And see when your kids are looking at you, are you looking at your phone? Are you like, you know, you're scrolling through getting an email done while you're saying to them, yeah, dinner will be done in 30 minutes. Go wash your Mm -hmm. hands, go get ready. But you're looking at your phone. In those moments, you have to be like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not teaching my children how to connect and relate to each other. And that's going to be a problem. Yes, when they're married and when their parents and their kids and their spouses are like, hello, if you could look at me. So really just even if you concentrate on your eyes this week Mm -hmm. and see where are my eyes going and are, are my eyes going to the people that I'm talking to or is my device getting my attention and the people are just, you know, they get, they're getting my words, but they're not getting my full attention. Yes. Oh, my goodness. You know, I remember when our youngest was about four and I mean, screens weren't even a big deal back yeah. then, but I was busy. I was making yeah. dinner and I was helping his siblings with their homework. And he was right. telling me he was telling me these knock knock jokes that, of course, he told me the same one the day before and the day before that, you know, and all of a sudden he got really frustrated with me and he said, mommy, listen oh. to me. Oh. And I said, well, Austin, I, I am. I'm I am ah. listening to you. And he said, no, mommy. Listen to me with your eyes. Oh. Listen to me with your eyes. And I was like, wow. Yeah. I needed that reminder to listen because I was hearing him with my ears, but I was not yes. speaking value to him. Yeah. I was not speaking value to him. And that's what really you're talking about here is that mm-hmm. we need to speak value to each other by by really seeing each other, noticing each other, uh, greeting each other, touching, tuning in, having eye contact. So very Yeah, it's important. the complaint that we as adults have about kids that we'll say, right. oh, we can't get our kids to look up from their video game. Oh, we can't get our kids to look up from social media. 
But how interesting that the kids and the teenagers say the exact same thing about the parents. I can't get my dad to stop texting. I can't get my mom to stop scrolling, you know. So it really is all of us. And I think that's a good place mm-hmm. to start of, hey, you can call me on it and I can call you on it. Just let it be open season in your house that you could say, hey, look at me, listen to me with your eyes, both both sets, the adults right. and the kids. Right, right. Okay, so you mentioned earlier that your kids and they're teenagers and yeah. they don't do social media. So um, what does that look like in reality of a parent leading a child towards that? Because yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of parents going, I don't even know how, how you would right. do that. Like, are they like alone, like an island deserted? Does anyone ever reach out to them? It's like they're lepers. They have no status. No. So I think part, a lot of the battle, to be frank, was when they were young and they've known, and you know, and I have the, if you want to call it the added benefit of being this author about screen kids. So they know like, oh, my mom talks about screen moderation. You know, they kind of have grown up this way as kids. Mm-hmm. And when they were, you know, in sixth grade, they didn't have iPads. And when they were in seventh grade, we told them, you're not having social media. So they've kind of known along as other kids were getting things, they were not getting things. But there, it's not that there was this vacuum. It's you do other things, you know. And so mm-hmm. for us, it's been trying to figure out what are your hobbies? What do you like? We've done, you know, Taekwondo in the past. They all play the piano. They are all involved in volunteering at church. They have, you know, they all, each of them have different interests, whether it's music, mm-hmm. drama, piano, chess, cards, you know, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So it's really been making sure that their their needs socially are met. So mm-hmm. being involved with people, having a place of service, meeting friends, having friends, having affiliations. And when all of those things are happening, there's not this like, oh, mom, like I really am dying here because I have no life because I don't have Instagram or Snapchat or, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. because they have other things in their life to fill it. So that's really, we've, it's never been an option. It's never been like, okay, now you're in eighth grade. Would you like to talk to me about why you want social media? They always knew like, okay, for sure. At least until you're 16, like there's not going to be any social media in your life. You're not going to have your own smartphone. Like they've known that. And so that we really don't get flack from that. And honest for you with younger kids, mm-hmm. if you will let your kids know this is how it's going to be, but you give them lots of love. They know their love. They know that you're not doing this to be a cruel Attila the Hun. And then mm-hmm. you fill their lives and, and awaken the things that they like so that they're doing them. And then a lot of kids will compare and contrast and they'll see like, oh, wow, I am a lot happier <laughs> than my peers. Right. And so have them watch for, for older kids and teenagers, have them watch The Social Dilemma, that documentary on Netflix. It kind of lets you know why things are so sticky and addictive. Because if you really approach it to, hey, child of mine, I want you to be free. I want you to be free of addiction. I want you to be healthy. I don't want you to have to be depressed when you're older. I don't want you to have to get fired from your job because you're gaming 10 hours at night. Like, this is what I want for you. And it might not always be popular, but that's the why. And as they get older, they kind of can see that why. So, for instance, my daughter, who's a freshman, she'll she'll say, you know, mom, I'd rather have one person, like she'll say, it's okay that I don't have social media. If I gave her an Instagram account and I let her, I think she'd have one. 
but mm-hmm. she said she wanted to follow like different uh, hobbies. So she said it wasn't so much to to hang out with her friends; oh, it was to right. follow hobbies, you know. Because uh-huh. she was saying, "I wouldn't really want to. I just want to see my friends. I don't need to like post all these things about my friends, you know." So she said, "I'd rather have one person in real life sitting next to me saying, I like you. You're a good person. I like hanging out with you.'" Like she said, "Mom, that's a lot better than the feeling of like, wow, well, I have 200 followers." She goes, "Because that's fake." And there's something about that for a kid to realize, okay, that's nice or whatever, but it's not really real. You know, Ethan was talking about it and telling me because, you know, he doesn't have social media 16. And he's like, you know, mom, there was this study that this Facebook guy, he had 200 friends on Facebook and he invited them all to a real party before the pandemic. And he's like, just one person showed up. (laughs) So he said, like, you know, you can feel like, oh, I have so many friends on social media. But in the real world, like if you're in the hospital, who's coming to see you? And if nobody's coming to see you, you realize quickly like, oh, these are very fickle relationships. And the sooner a child recognizes that, then I think the sooner they can say, okay, I don't need that so much and I can invest in better things. And, you know, and I know you're listening to this because you want your child to grow spiritually. You want your child Mm -hmm. to grow to be a more godly person. And frankly, the majority of stuff on social media is not going to help you in that endeavor. Like, sure, your child can follow really godly people. That's possible. But it's kind of like, okay, there's one godly post for 100 not godly posts that your child is going to be going through. So you really have to think of that Psalm 1, like that they are standing in the counsel of the ungodly. And that's really social media. It's kind of opening the door to a lot of things that your child isn't looking for. Right. Well, and what you're really talking about, Arlene, is you are talking about intentionally leading your children. Yeah. And I really think that many of us don't understand the call to that. Yeah. We're to make sure that our kids are physically safe and that their needs are met. And but we have this mindset that we're almost... I don't know if it's impotent as leaders, but we yeah. just, we have, we've, we've really uh, delegated that to others yeah. and, or by default, we've also just defaulted because we haven't led. And so our kids need us to be strong leaders. Yeah. And it can start today. Like maybe you yes. feel like, oh man, I've really blown it here, but it, that's why you're listening. For you to say, okay, I'm going to make this one decision. I'm going to delay a smartphone for my 10-year-old. I am going Mm -hmm. to collect a smartphone from my 15-year-old at night. You know, you can make these decisions to say, I I will rise up as a parent. And you do have to have, you know, my husband is such a good parent. He'll joke because he's stubborn and he's arrogant. You know, he'll just think (laughs) like, okay, kids, my way or the highway. And there is something like that that's really missing, I think, in parenthood today that we're Mm -hmm. like, bending over backwards of, oh, we just want you to be happy. And we just want you not to be mad at us. And it's like, wait a minute, we have to, we're responsible Mm -hmm. to help you become a healthy adult. Mm -hmm. And right now, technology is really threatening the health of a lot of kids, physically, emotionally, spiritually, all that. So it is true that as parents, you know, this is your call, like you can do this, you can do this. And even if you're not wired to do it, you can do it. And you know, when you give that thing that you're going to do, 
first of all, you have to believe that your child can do it because a lot of us are like, oh, my kid will never do that. I can never get my kid to give up that video game that I know is too violent or that I know is like way too addictive for this kid's, you know, he can't handle it. But we, oh, he'll never give it up. So first of all, you got to believe, yes, he could. You know, you've got uh-huh. to have that hope. And if you need to have friends around you to rally around that position, then please go get that and have that hope and then present it with enthusiasm that, hey, we're going to, you know, apologize. If, uh, if you can start with that apology of we've let you play this game. We've let you play Fortnite and we feel like it was, you know, maybe it's a younger child and you're like, we shouldn't have allowed you to play that. And we're sorry. That was our bad. That was my responsibility. I'm really sorry. And I know you're not going to be happy about this, but we're just going to give that game a rest because we think that's going to be a lot better for you. So I'm really sorry that we let you play that. Now your kid's not going to be like, yay, mom, (laughs) yay, dad, you must have been listening to Miss Jill's podcast. You know, they're not (laughs) going to say that. But in the long run, you know, if you're really going to help your child be healthier, that's your call to go ahead and apologize and make the change and be enthusiastic about it. Like, hey, this is what we're going to do instead. And let's let's go do this. I know you can do it. Yeah. And I so appreciate that. And I appreciate you kind of giving some verbiage there, because I think a lot of times we don't know how to have those conversations. Yeah. And, you know, there are many times where uh, parents need to pivot. They need to go in a different direction. And you owe your kids sometimes the apology. You also, you owe them a respectful conversation about it. I think sometimes we try to come in and play, uh, we try to be the hammer. And that doesn't help. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not saying that they're going to be excited either way, sure. but when you can say, Hey, my bad, I, yeah. I sure didn't realize that how much it would affect you. I didn't realize some of the content of it. And I like what you said, we're going to give it a rest for a little while. I, I so appreciate that. Yeah. Now let's talk for a moment because I'm sure that we have people that are listening and their kids already have a smartphone and they already are on technology. And so now it's a matter of how do we, how do we lead them? Well, if we choose to allow them to continue to engage with that, which many will, how do we lead them? Well, what are some guidelines that you feel like, um, or that you have seen are helpful for managing that? I think having like a, period of time where there's no technology. This is a great thing to test how everyone's doing with their technology. So the screen-free mealtime, for sure, making that a habit. Because if your child, whether they're a teenager, no matter what age, when you guys sit, whether it's breakfast, lunch, or dinner, it doesn't have to be dinner, like whatever meal that works for you all. But you're sitting there and mom and dad, they're off their phones. Kids are off their phones. If you Mm -hmm. need to put the phones in another room, you know, that's happening. So that's number one. Let's get that mealtime guarded. And you then know, I, I want to add yeah, something please. to that. I know I've seen a couple of families do this where they pass a basket and everybody puts their phone in the basket and then the basket's put in the other room. Yeah. So even just getting in the habit of we sit down together at the table and we pass a basket and we just all get used to throwing it in there yep. because we're going to be fully present. So yep. there's yes. just a, a practical I idea. love that. You know, and then it might be whatever if if you see that everyone is on a lot, then you're like, okay, well, maybe on Sunday between uh, in the afternoon that we are not going to go online and instead we're going to do some activity together or we could 
still do things individually, but they're not on screen. So whether it's a some kind of digital Sabbath that you're doing, whether it's, hey, Wednesday night is our game night or our reading night, and we don't go on technology. So having periods of time where it's off. Now, if you have teenagers mm-hmm. and kids that are like, they can't handle that, right? Or parents <laughs> that can't handle that, then <laughs> right. you know, like, okay, we have a little bit of an issue here that we've got to dig into. You know, have mm-hmm. those conversations with your kids, uh, you know, if they're gaming, let's say, you know, if they're casual gamers and they're just gaming for 20 minutes and then they easily stop and then move to another activity, you're probably just fine. Then there's the at-risk gamer where they're asking, you know, they're supposed to only play games over the weekends, but then every Monday, every Tuesday, every Wednesday, mom, dad, can I play? Can I play? Can I play? Then, you know, okay, this kid's kind of at risk. They really want to play more. And then, of course, you've got your addicted gamer that's like, okay, you have not done homework for three days, but you game six hours a day and we called you to dinner an hour ago and you didn't come, then you know. So obviously there are different levels of this. Mm-hmm. So if you have a child that's doing really well with the technology, then you can, you know, talk about it and just kind of keep those conversations going of, hey, how, let's see how you're doing in your other responsibilities, in your other, you could call them leadership roles. Let's see mm-hmm. how you're doing in your leadership roles. How are you doing in school? How's it going with this activity you're doing with your friends? How are you doing? You love to play the guitar. Have you been practicing? You know, you have these conversations like, are the other parts of your life healthy? And so that the child is kind of figuring out, oh, technology is part of my life, but there's really all these other parts that need to be healthy in my life. You know, have you been reading your Bible? You know, oh, I've noticed you haven't volunteered for church for a while. Do you want to start that again? You know, so it's basically because what will happen is technology will start to take over and then the other interests will fade away. You know, your kid and they won't even lo- think of that. They won't even think of it. Like your kid who right. loved to play the piano will stop playing the piano and they'll be gaming. The kid that used to love helping in kids' church will be like, oh, I want to sleep in because I was up all night playing video games. I'm not going to do that anymore, mom. So it's kind of you're, you're checking and you're trying to keep your child involved, realizing, wait, I've got a life to live. And, 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 you know, it's asking things like, oh, well, does that really bring you joy and happiness for your child? So even asking your daughter, teenage daughter, Hey, let me see what your Instagram post, what show me like, what really brings you joy and happiness when you're on Instagram? Okay. Mm -hmm. What, what makes you feel kind of sad or what makes you feel like, oh, I wasted a lot of time here and just kind of have those conversations so that they can start seeing that, oh, I am wasting a lot of time here or, oh, Mm -hmm. I guess I am kind of, this really doesn't make me that happy when I'm Mm -hmm. scrolling through this and looking through this or this particular, you know, set series is kind of making me really moody. I should probably stop watching this Netflix series, you know, whatever it like have those conversations and ask them, you know, how, how are you feel? How does that make you feel? And obviously her feelings can be deceitful. So it's also talking about, okay, what do you think is in this moment? What's the wise thing to do? You know, Mm -hmm. what's, what's the wise choice to make here? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, definitely if your kids already have screens, you know, one place that you can give some leadership, even if they already are doing this and it's like, you know what, we need to make a change. And that is uh, that at night they get plugged in outside yeah. the bedroom. Yeah. You know, I recently, so I've actually in my menopausal life, I have not been sleeping well and yes. I haven't been sleeping well for quite some time. And one of the questions that I've been working with a nutritional coach, and one of the questions she asked me is she said, where is your phone? Mm. And I was sleeping with the phone in the bedroom, not because I'm on it all the time, but because it was my alarm. Okay. Yeah. And, but it was right next to me. 
And she said, Jill, you need to get out of the bedroom yeah. because the the electromagnetic fields yeah. and all of that actually affect us hormonally and they affect our sleep. And so I have now been plugging it in outside the bedroom and I am sleeping better. Wow. Yeah. And it's it's such a good example because no matter what age we are, if we are able to get that thing out of the room, it's going to be better for you. There's a few of you, you might be medical and you need to have it right by your side. But if it's if that's not you, then get that out of your room. And especially for your kids, I think that's an excellent step. I remember speaking once, Jill, and I we were talking about this and this really like strong looking man you know, was probably 50 years old and he looked like a farmer, strong, rugged man. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, I've known for a long time I should collect my daughter's phone and I've just been scared. You know, I thought, here, this strong man, he just said, I've just been scared, but I know it would be the healthy thing for her so she could sleep. And all, obviously what's happening at two o'clock in the morning, you know, it's not great. It's not someone saying, hey, you want to go to Bible study on Friday? So that was so inspiring to me that, you know, you can be big and tough and you're still dealing with this and you still need the encouragement of someone to say, take it away. It's okay. So, hey, whoever you are that's listening, you have now been encouraged. Go collect it. Help your child get a good night's sleep. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, let's talk about this just a little bit. You know, I'm a grandparent and so I love that you also have grandparenting screen yes. kids because this... I mean, this is a whole new, it's a whole new world for us to navigate. I mean, when I was parenting my kids, screens were starting to be, right. but they're nothing compared to what they are now. Yeah. So what are some creative ways to create boundaries around technology for those of us that are grandparenting? And if we, if we are spending time with our, our grandkids, what, yeah. what suggestions do you have for that? Yeah, even thinking, you know, when we watch TV yes, in yesteryear, you know, it's like big. It's like a fixed object, you know, a piece of furniture, big old TV. And it's just, you know, you're watching <laughs> Gilligan's Island, I Love Lucy. You're watching all these shows over and over and over again. And your kid's sitting right. there. Well, when you're at, with your grandchildren, think of maybe how they can watch something, but it's not so mobile. Because that's the thing. It's like they're carrying it with them. So let's say they're using a phone or they're using an iPad and it's in their hands, then they're just walking around the entire time they're with you with this device. And that's what really leads to, well, you know, what else can compete with that? Because it's right there. And even with their vision, you know, they've been, we've been hearing from these optometrists, ophthalmologists that kids are so much, they're nearsighted because they're, they can't look at those screens so often. Like they're supposed to be, I think, 16 inches away from their face and then given a after 20 minutes, but you have all these kids with short hands that are just cradling these objects and just staring at them. So if you have the kind of situation where you have a TV, an old fashioned TV and an old fashioned DVD player, and you can plug that thing in, I think that's a great place to start to say, hey, we're not going to watch stuff on our tablet and on our phones, but instead, look at this grandma's time machine, you know, and you've got, or whatever <laughs> it is. I mean, it could be a flat screen TV, but the idea is that they're not holding it. Because mm -hmm. then they're walking from the kitchen to the bathroom to the living room and they're just holding it the whole time. So mm -hmm. if you have another device that's not mobile, start there. Now, if you don't have anything else and you just have something that's mobile, then it's like, okay, you know, it's like a movie theater. 
it's open between one and two, you know, and you can help your grandchild, you know, tell time through this little exercise that, oh, you put it mm-hmm. away and you say, oh, it's closed right now, but it's going to open back up at one from one to two. You know, you can do it that way. And obviously with older teenagers, you know, you're, if you say it's open from one to two, they're going to kind of laugh at you. But you know what? You are grandma and grandpa and things can be different in your house. And you can say to your big teenager, hey, I'm so glad you're here. And while you're here, I want to spend more time with you. I know you're spending tons of time on your screen already. So, hey, let's put this all away and you can use it from this time to this time. And then, you know, you you don't expect, I get it. You don't, we don't expect grandparents to entertain and sit and play with their grandkids for hours and hours and hours and hours. But this is a good place for them to learn, hey, I'm going to read here. You know, grandma and grandpa always mm-hmm. have library books, a big stack of books for me when I come, you know, whether whatever age, whether they're mm-hmm. three and they're looking at picture books or they're 13 to 15. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, we go to grandma and grandpa's and they always have these new books in the basket that we go through. Maybe there's art projects, there's music. So whatever your interests are as grandparents, you can pass those along to your grandkids. Mm -hmm. If you love to cook, you can teach them how to cook. If you love to play music, if you love to read, whatever it is, you love to paint, like pass that stuff on to your grandkids and then allow them it's okay for them just to kind of be bored and to help you as a grandparent mm-hmm. you know for yes. you to say hey i grandma and grandpa we're gonna have a party next th- over the weekend and i need to straighten up so could you do these jobs for me? i mean it is okay to get your grandkids involved in helping you and then they can go home and say, I helped grandma today. And that's a really good feeling for a kid. Mm-hmm. So don't feel like you have to do it all with technology. And of course, the first day that you make this change, maybe they're used to having the iPad the entire time they're there and you make this change. They're not going to be like, well, that was, you know, they're not going to like it. But you know what? By the second, third, fourth time, they'll realize, oh, this is how it is at grandma and grandpa's house. Kids are super they they adapt so easily and they'll understand like, oh, we're doing this instead. And then maybe at the end of the day, you pop some chocolate chip cookies in the oven and you call it a day and that was great. You know, so it's mm-hmm. it's okay to make those changes and do less technology and more you because they need a, they need to bond with you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my son, Ethan, he's 16 and he's really close to my parents who are just live five minutes away. So, you know, so many times he'll just go over to their house early in the morning before online school starts and they'll play ping pong together in the backyard. And Aww. that's a, that's a relationship that was built when he was a kid. Right. When he right. was a kid, he didn't just come to their house and watch TV for eight hours. He yeah. like watch them do things and they did things whatever it is in the garden or they went out to get something to eat or you know they did stuff together and that's why he has a relationship so concentrate on the relationship which will mean putting the ipad to bed more often Mm -hmm. well and you know you said it's okay for them to be bored and i think that applies to parents or grandparents yes because i think that we think that they need to be entertained all the time but sometimes the best the best creativity, the best way to get their brain working is to allow them to be bored. And then they start to create things. Yes. You know, they start to, you know, figure out how to, I don't know, build a tent out of the boxes that are sitting in the corner of the living room or whatever. They actually begin to uh, use a different part of their brain. And it is hard. I mean, you have to 
you you often have to withstand maybe some complaining and yeah. things like that, but you're recognizing, no, this is what's best. It's like grandma and grandpa boot camp. It's like, okay, <laughs> we're gonna things are gonna be different now. You can't just sit on the couch and play your video game. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, this has been such a good conversation. Thank you so much, Arlene. I so appreciate it. And I would love to uh, just give you an opportunity if there was just one closing thought that you would have for those that are listening, just to kind of send them off with a word of encouragement, what would that be? Yeah, you know, it's it doesn't sound like a word of encouragement. The first thing that came at mind was, you know what, there's a lot of risk here with our kids. So it is time to be serious. It is time to mm -hmm. be like, okay, if this is not working in my home, like I've got to do something. I can't mm -hmm. just let this keep going like this. And then, of course, the word of hope there is when change happens, wow, like your life, could, can you imagine if you got this under control and you got your child back and you'd be like, this is so much better. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to encourage you, the, the little bit of hard that you may have to do right now to reset how things are, that little bit of hard will pay off so much when just a month from now, you're going to be like, oh, my house is so much more peaceful. Wow, my child is like, like listening to God and is able to like, you know, talk about things more now or oh, wow, my kids now a teenager and is able to open up to me, you know, you could be in a really a much better place if you will make some changes with your tech. And that's something worth fighting for and something have hope that what's that best case scenario in your home? What does it look like? And to know by God's grace and by the power of God, you could get there. Yes. Oh my goodness. That's so very, very true. So where can people find you online? Arlene? Yes. Come see me at happyhomeuniversity.com, happyhomeuniversity.com. I am launching different masterclasses around my books and I'm currently working on a masterclass for screen kids. So you can get your updates there, happyhomeuniversity.com. I love that. You know, I, I just, uh, I don't always end in prayer, but I, I this is such a heavy subject. Would yeah. you pray for those yes. that are joining us? Lord, we want to thank you for being with us. Lord, we mm -hmm. thank you that you parent us by looking at us. You know, you're not looking at your phone. You're not looking at technology. Lord, your attention is on us. Your eyes rove to and fro throughout the earth to strengthen the hearts of those who are yours. So strengthen the heart of who's listening right now that they might sense in their spirit. Wow, I am the parent. I will rise up to be a leader in my home. God is going to show me the plan. And Lord, right now that you would speak to that parent and you would show him or her exactly what he or she should do in the home. Lord, who in, in which kid needs help right now? What device needs to be collected? What app needs to be taken away? Is there someone looking at pornography? Lord, what's going on in our home? Show us, reveal to us, and then show us, Lord, what we can do in response. May we not be afraid, but may mm -hmm. we have peace and boldness knowing that you are with us, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And Lord, we just want to dedicate our homes to you, that they will be a place where you are lifted up and that yes. you will deliver our children from evil. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. Well, if you have enjoyed this, head over to jillsavage.org slash podcast, where we'll have links to Arlene's books. We'll link to her website. I also have a free resource. It's, I think it's 30 activities to do without screens. Woo-hoo! So going to add that into the show notes for this as well, because sometimes we need just some ideas to, yep. to get, get us going in the right direction. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over at jillsavage.org slash podcast. See you next week for another not perfect, but very important conversation about the real stuff of life.